Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Standing. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Tuesday afternoon. Uh, in a few days, I'll be back out in Ashburn for Rookie Minicamp. So we'll have some, uh, we'll, we'll get to talk about some actual football-y things, get a first look at the new guys, including first-round pick Emmanuel Forbes. Um, in this episode, though, we're going to talk bigger picture here. Uh, my colleague at The Athletic, Mike Jones, uh, one of our national NFL reporters, he had a profile up today on Jason Wright uh, about you know the trials and tribulations that Jason's gone through during his time here in Washington uh, and you know what Jason's hopes are and, and how he hopes to bring back the fans. And, uh, you know, I I think you should take a look at that. It's on The Athletic. You can find it on the Commander's page. Um, And, uh, you know, I think you want to take a look at that. So Mike and I discussed his interview with Jason, the story, the idea of trying to figure out where do we give need to give Jason more credit for having to deal with all the chaos that's been going on around here before he arrived and then during his arrival. And then simultaneously, where does Jason take the hit for things that have fallen short here in execution or otherwise? Uh, we also got into the notion of is Jason Wright possibly one day looking to become uh, somebody running uh, the football side of an organization? And we also discussed some of the team stuff as well. The uh, the idea of uh, leaning in as hard as they are to Sam Howe, our thoughts on Emmanuel Forbes and the, the secondary. So a fun conversation with Mike Jones. Uh, who you can follow on Twitter at by Mike Jones. I'm of course at Ben Standig. Uh, so we'll get to that here in a moment on the podcast, which of course you can subscribe to on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting. And uh, by the way, I should just note uh, if you uh, haven't listened to some of the recent episodes, I encourage you to go do that. Scott Jackson and I talked uh, for uh, Sunday night, Monday's episode, uh, sort of a, uh, putting a bow to, to some degree on everything that's going to happen here in the off season. One before that was with Logan Paulson. I got a lot of great feedback on that. Obviously Logan is a wealth of information, has great insight. And I thought we had some really good back and forth on uh, some aspects of this team. So you make sure you check out that as well. So we'll get to all that. And I do have a, hopefully if all goes well, a fun interview for you guys this week before um, rookie minicamp that involves somebody who will be at rookie minicamp. Uh, so we'll get to all that. Uh, now, just a couple quick things here at the the top. I mentioned rookie minicamp. That'll be Friday afternoon uh, that we will be out there. Um, I always want to say brace yourselves for whatever is going to come out of the, the tweets and the initial reports. Uh, this time, at least for us, I would say, is it's a good chance to just see how these guys look in person. How do they look athletically? Uh, we'll, we'll have a chance. We've already talked to these uh, these new guys. Um, Emmanuel Forbes in person. Everybody else over a phone call or Zoom. We have a little sense of who they are as people, but this will be another level. And we'll hear from Ron Rivera and perhaps others about what they saw from these uh, players. Obviously, this is not going to be the same thing as it will be when they start going up against the actual veterans uh, during OTAs. By the way, a reminder, they only have two OTA sessions this year. Normally they have three. They only had two. They got one taken away last year for excessive hitting in practice. Uh, so just something to keep in mind if you're interested in such things. 
So that'll be on Friday. And uh, I don't know if I'll have a podcast up right after that, but certainly by Monday at a minimum. Uh, one other thing, I don't know if this is a real big story or not, or any kind of story, but it's it's out there in the world and I don't want to pretend that I'm ignoring it. So uh, this is about the Andrew Luck situation. For those who are unaware of why I would be bringing up the former Colts quarterback who retired a few years ago, it is because of a story that was up on ESPN this weekend by uh, my colleague on the beat, John Kime. Uh, John, for some background, so a year ago, uh, John wrote a story about how Washington's pursuit for a quarterback, and here's the, they're looking for all these people, a list of 40-some people, and that they contacted every team in the league about a quarterback. Uh, mo- mentioned in that conversation was a notion that they thought about Andrew Luck. The The reference was vague enough to not know, was it just a, a thought exercise that they had? Did they actually try to make contact to see if he was interested? That part was left vague. In the story now, over the weekend that John had about Sam Howell, it referenced that search again and specified Andrew Luck again. Now, in this story, it initially said they, quote, they even phoned the retired Andrew Luck just in case. Subsequently, the story changed a little bit to they even phoned about retired Andrew Luck just in case. If you want to see the print version of this, the Washington Post had something up about this the other day as well. Um, I don't know that necessarily this is a big deal. It's possible it was just a mistake. You know, I've I've been known to to have some mistakes here and there as well. But it is interesting. And then it became more interesting, I should say, when Colts owner Jim Irsay, you've heard of him, he came out with a Twitter comment. Uh, this was on Sunday night. The story, as I said, broke over the weekend. And on Sunday, it started to get some attention from aggregators and others. Uh, Jim Irsay tweeted, if any NFL team attempted to contact Andrew Luck parentheses or any associate of him and the parentheses to play for their franchise it would be a clear violation of the league's tampering policy now the the washington post had a update saying that they spoke to somebody in lux camp and that the commanders did not contact them uh i don't get a sense that the commanders that i think the commanders are comfortable with where they are in this whole situation that said i i don't know what to make of it especially since there was a change in wording so could the colts pursue this and, and apparently the Colts are looking for the league to look into this more to see if there was sort of some kind of tampering. Uh, tampering can come in all shades and forms. They, they don't even have to have contacted him directly. Um, they could have just discussed it openly with media member, and that could be enough to uh, get penalized. What would what would a penalty mean? I, I don't know. I mean, we saw last year, of course, the Dolphins got penalized. They lost their first-round pick this year for contacting Tom Brady and Sean Payton. I, I don't know, again, that, that that this would come, anything would come to that level here, let alone a first-round pick. Um, but I do think it's notable, and I do think that it's a reminder that, you know, when Ron Rivera talks a lot about what what he's looking to accomplish, but also about what they have or haven't done. In this case, it would be about... Uh, whoever the source was that was telling John last year that they were, were looking to contact all the teams um, that has now subsequently been dialed back to contacting teams that would likely have a quarterback. And I know I talked about this at that point. So I don't, 
I don't know that this leads to anything in terms of the league sanction. And ultimately, maybe it was just, hey, somebody made a mistake, a miscommunication, nothing happened here, there's nothing to see, et cetera. But I, you know, we know the Colts and the commanders have a bit of a history now over the last couple of years. So we'll be interesting to see if the Colts continue to push it and if the NFL does look into it, what they find. At the moment, as I said, I don't know that it's going to send off alarm bells, but it is in the news. And I at least wanted to address it. Uh, and you can take uh, you can take it from there as you wish. And if there's anything else to discuss, we will do that. Um, all right. Other than that, let's uh, get to it here. Uh, Mike Jones and I, like I said, we talk about his article, Jason Wright, the good, the bad, where things are going. Is Jason Wright a, a future uh, president of football ops or GM or something like that? And if so, would that be here? And uh, some interesting also note about Ron Rivera and what he didn't say in this story. Uh, we'll get to all that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. As promised, joining uh, us here to discuss his latest article for The Athletic, this one uh, touching on Jason Wright and uh, what he's gotten right, what's what's been challenging uh, for the team president uh, with the commanders is uh, my colleague at The Athletic, Mike Jones, uh, who, of course, you guys all know from covering the team for many years uh what's up man how uh how was life we made it through the draft how, how we doing made it through the draft um you know made it through free agency here we are a little bit of a lull about to have shoulder surgery um and uh so i plan on being ready in time for training camp you know this is the time of year you get stuff taken care of i i have gathered from covering the league you know you, you get it done during OTAs so you don't have to do any OTAs and then you're ready for training camp <laughs> well what, what happened too many Oklahoma drills uh I have a bunch of baseball player sons and I think I've just thrown thousands of pitches over the last several uh 10 15 years and you know just wear and tear so I babied it but now it like pops and catches and hurts anytime I try to throw so gotta finally bite the bullet get done well, I hope you uh, got the Nats to give you a big contract before uh, before you go under the knife. There was no contract. No, no, oh. nobody touched me. They're worried. So, oh, disappointing. All right. Well, you know, people come back from from these shoulder surgeries now even better than ever. So, hopefully, um, that's how it goes for you. Um, all right. We'll, we'll we'll talk about the Commanders and get your thoughts uh, as to kind of where they are after the draft and everything. But you have a story up today, as I said, about Jason Wright. You got you had a chance to talk to him about you know his hopes and dreams what what he's gone through here you know say whatever you want about the guy he walked into a ridiculously bad spot i mean uh you know he and rivera rivera came before things went even more insane and jason right hey the house is on fire could you come in and uh try to solve it uh so he's had a lot to go through um and he's like everybody else it's like we don't quite know where things are going to go for him with this new ownership change what for you, though, was, I guess, the biggest takeaway from the story that people who uh, hopefully will have a chance to read it, uh, you, you kind of want them to, to come away with? I mean, I guess just, uh, you know, this, like you said, this is not a good situation that in and he inherited it um, a lot of messes, but he still is confident in his ability, his team, his leadership, even though there have been quite a few moments where they have fallen short and i guess the thing that was interesting to me was that um even though he's a charismatic figure he's not really loved by everybody um you know there's nobody's turning the blind eye for him 
Um, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people say, hey, here's the good stuff about him. And a lot of people point out the shortcomings as well. And also that he is willing to acknowledge those shortcomings um, and say, yeah, we failed on and off the field. Um, but he, he's still determined that he's going to uh, find a way to get this right. You know, so much of what he does it for for us on the outside, like, I have no idea. Like he says, um, they're doing better with some sponsorships now. You mentioned they had a, a pretty lucrative one with uh, SeatGeek that they're right. proud about. Cool. I can't imagine how hard it is to get sponsorships with everything that's gone on there for the last few years. Um, but at the same time, the, some of the things we do see, which you mentioned in the story of the Sean Taylor memorial situations that have just gone awry both times and uh, the crest that, that had the wrong years and pick, pick your, pick your thing, whatever it is. And it's always, I think some, it's the challenge I think for me is always like, what's the, where does like the chaos that existed already and just the Dan Snyder influence overall, where does that sort of end and where does Jason Wright begin? And like, you know, like how much is, it's just so much negative. He can't overcome everything, even if he brings in new people or is Jason Wright, yeah, he really does need to step up more that these are things that are sort of blocking and tackling errors. I always think that to me is like such the interesting part to try to guess. I can with Ron Rivera, but yeah. it's harder to do it on the business side. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, a lot of it, there is a lot of stuff that is Dan Snyder related to him having to clean up messes. Um, you know, a lot of the turnover um, has been because there were, you know, Snyder just had so many bad eggs, um, you know, in the organization. Um, so that's that Jason he hired about 80% of the people that are there now. And we've seen them fall short because of lack of institutional knowledge here and there. Yes. I know he leans on Doug Williams. Yes. I know Tim Hightower's there, um, you know, working with the, the alumni liaison stuff like that, but there's a lot of times that they haven't gotten it right because these people just don't know much about the team and the team history. And also a lot of them don't know about football. Maybe they've been in successful businesses, uh, but it's different. Um, so that's on Jason. Um, you know, some of the stuff like the lawsuit uh, from fans for not giving back, um, you know, deposits for season ticket packages, that stuff happened, I guess, before him. Um, but, you know, he's still dealing with some of that stuff. Um, you know, the Sean Taylor stuff. Yeah. That's on him. That's on his watch. Um you know, that there's all kinds of stuff with the stadium, with there was sewage running out, you know, and in the the sweet box for the uh Detroit Lions in the preseason, the visiting, there was plumbing issues there too. Um, you know, the railing falling with Jalen Hurts, you know, with the fans there. That is all stuff that's happened on his watch, but I don't know if you can blame him for that, that this stadium is falling apart. Um he talked about Trista Langdon, who he had hired um, as the director of the stadium and the fan experience and all that stuff, and how she basically is doing a lot of this on a shoestring budget. So Snyder is not dumping money into right. the stadium. So they're they're doing what they can. So it's kind of blurry. Um, you know, I don't put a lot of the stadium stuff on him because they're trying. And again, he inherited a monstrosity that's falling apart. Um, but the execution, game day experience honoring people like Son Taylor, the 90th celebration, Ryan Kerrigan coming home for the first time, not, you know, giving a thank you type of trip. You know, there's stuff that's just been careless oversights that I do think is a result of, you know, Jay, that's on Jason and on his staff. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. And it's going to be fascinating to see, like if people said to me, what, what are you most interested in about the upcoming season? I honestly would probably say nothing that's on the field that it's right. going to be what happens off the field with Josh Harris, presumably 
the sale eventually goes through and what does he choose to do does he you know does he have an immediate cleaning the house i mean this is a guy that's not an he's not an owner rookie or rookie owner he you right. know he's done this now with multiple other franchises different sports but you know he understands it does he say you know what let me let me learn more about what jason wright's been dealing with let me see okay the numbers are actually they are actually showing enough sign to say boy he's had you know more than he's had both hands tied behind his back and still been able to turn things around people are positive whatever maybe he sees that or maybe he says i i gotta start over i just think that's gonna be so fascinating to see and like i said rivera is a little more obvious and straightforward we have a record we can look at you know things like right. that but the jason Wright part I, I will be fascinated to see by an owner who's a businessman an investor who's own teams what does he think of all this whenever he uh kind of takes over yeah i think that you know there's a lot like you said we don't know exactly all of what jason does and you know, we hear, you know, he says the right thing and he's charismatic. Definitely says the right thing. Yes. You know, but I think there's a lot of stuff that an owner whose experience will probably see through better than you, me, the fans, you know, who will be like, "Mm, nah, you know, I mean, and there are times where Jason even said, when we sat down, he said, you know, we're always going to be honest. We're not going to lie. We're not going to give all of the information, but, you know, and I think there are times when that owner will, when they're talking to him and I know that they've had talks um, that there probably have been some tough questions and some tough um, situations where he's had to deliver some answers. So Josh Harris, that team, they will definitely really, you know, hold his feet to the fire and really, you know, I don't think it's just a, Oh, we'll let this guy keep running the show because he says good things. No, I think that they want to hear explanations and also hear how he solved problems and what the plan are and look at results or or a lack of results. So you had a lot of interesting stuff in there. One thing that stood out to me, and this wasn't the crux of your article, but it's something that it's been on my mind for a while and things that you hear about. But and you mentioned in there that Jason writes, I forget how you phrase it exactly, but like in his head, he's thinking to himself, he would like to one day not just run the business side of things. He would like to oversee football side of things too. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on on that because when we talk about it, like Jason Wright has a unique bio. He isn't just a wonky business guy. He actually played in the league. And just because you play in the league doesn't mean you should be right. president of ops or GM. But, but I mean, he at least does have that background. This isn't just theoretical for him on a lot of these things. Um, he has, it's been very clear from the moment he got here, there's a wall between the football and the business, but maybe that gets blurred if there's a new guy, a new owner, or maybe the new owner even says, Hey, Ron, I'd like to have somebody else oversee these aspects. And we think Jason, whatever it may be, what's your view of that, that he actually has that interest, uh, in, in possibly doing some more stuff on the football side someday. He claims that his, his interest is not to do that in Washington, that there's too much on his plate right now but somewhere down the road and organization now talking to people around the league there's definitely aspirations for him like they gathered that he wants to take over the football operations here as well um but you know jason will say one thing behind the scenes though we'll see um i do think that hey you're a long way from being able to oversee that just because of how much of a mess there is still to clean up on um, the other side of the field. Now uh, I do get that. Okay. If you're going to be selling this um, franchise, you want to have input on some of those decisions. Um, But still, 
this is his first time around running a football organization. As we've seen, there's been growing pains. There's been some swings and misses, um, which you have to be kind of bold and trying some things. Um, you know, I, I do, I, from what I have gathered, um, he probably would have been in favor of pursuing Lamar Jackson if, you know, if it was his call, but, you know, he's staying sure. away. So I'm sure there's stuff that, you know, he would have rather it have happened, but it didn't. So I think in his mind, he probably plays out those scenarios, even though it's not his call, because one day he wants it to be his call here or somewhere else. But I I don't think that he's probably ready for that. Situated where he is as the guy who oversees the business end and where the physical location of FedEx Field is, where where straight up 95 is the Ravens and all those fans in the columbia laurel area that are sort of all the they're that's who they're vying for the idea of bringing lamar jackson here <laughs> that human being has got had to have been off the charts like oh my god could you imagine it it's why i never thought the ravens would trade him here no matter right. what because they could not afford to have those fans turn and, and go this way yeah yeah no way the ravens would want that to happen but jason would have been like, man, this would probably do, do my job for me. Um, if you put somebody like him in there, it would just, you know, set the city on fire um, and the whole region, you know. But, yeah, um, I agree with you, Baltimore. Even if they had agreed to trade him to somewhere, it would be anywhere but here and Pittsburgh, um, right. most likely, but everybody else would be fair game. <laughs> right. Um, l- l- last thing on this, uh, and I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but I'm just curious – uh ron rivera is not shy from doing interviews he talks to a lot of people about a lot of things all the time uh in your story and and, and it mentioned that jason and ron their relationship and, and working together and how jason has used ron i mean that in a positive way to help with things he's trying to accomplish and i know jason was in the war room at points during the draft as well uh but that ron rivera declined to talk for this specific interview which is odd. I mean, I I don't mean this. Don't take this as a but it, relatively speaking, it's a profile piece on Jason, right? It's not, uh, you know, crazy in depth about whatever. So I don't know. Was that curious to you? And is that was that surprising? It was very surprising. He didn't want to talk. Um, but I think that um, with the new owner coming in, I think it. Dude, I talked to a lot of people, and there were a lot of people who were afraid to go on the record because they don't know who's going to be here and they're afraid that oh if i say something does that look like i'm in in his camp or if the owner likes him and i don't come off right is that gonna give him power and he'll be like i don't want i think that every there are all kinds of allegiance it's like game of thrones you know all kinds of loyalties and things like that that everybody's worried about and so i thought it interesting because my questions weren't um threatening or endorsing it was just like hey i want to ask him you know about the working relationship and all that stuff and yeah i thought it was quite interesting um that there the ron did not want to comment yeah no it is i i wrote a story the other day uh for the site about how at the draft you could see everybody ron and, and jason wasn't talking at the draft but he was talking on pat mcafee and cnbc and everybody was like they're talking like they would normally the draft except they know that there's a new guy watching and they're really trying to present the their version of the process, you know, whatever right. about what it is they're right. doing. And so I, I kind of understand the idea of being cautious of what you're saying, especially if it's about something else that's not your um, domain. Um, right. Speaking about Rivera's domain, the actual football team, 
we're done free agency for the most part. The draft is over. You know, whatever they may or may not do the rest of the way probably won't change forecast here too much. You know, there's talent on this roster. I'm not saying it's the worst team ever by any stretch. I don't know yeah. that they've improved enough for me to go. They're going to be a 10 win team, but what, what's your view of kind of where they're at and kind of what they've done? I mean, yeah, you said it right there. Yeah. <laughs> it. I just, I cannot believe the thing that most blows my mind is the fact that they're all that, that, that Sam Howell is their guy. Um, now getting Jacoby Brissett was smart. But, dude, we've seen this guy for one game, Sam Howell. Um, you know how many times a backup quarterback will come into a game because somebody gets hurt or they'll make a start because somebody's hurt, and they do really well. And the next week, defensive coordinators get film on them, and the week after that. And all of a sudden, they're picking apart the weakness, and they weren't prepared the first time around because they didn't have anything to go on. And then they know how to attack them, and then the dude wets the bed, and he's exposed why he's a backup. I could see that happening, um, you know. They want to say, oh, some of our scouts gave him the equivalent of a second round grade. Um, but dude, you didn't take him in the second round. Nobody took him in the second round. You didn't take him in the third round. You didn't take him in the fourth right? There's a reason why. Um, and so I'm very skeptical. And I mean, Jacoby Brissett is very solid. I still think that you know, their starting quarterback for the long term probably is not on this roster. Um, you know, this is an experiment. This is a rental. And because you don't have that taken care of, I don't see dramatic improvement out of this team. They could very well just stay right around what they were last year. Yeah, for sure. I've uh, People listening have heard me say this before, but when they started talking up Sam Howell like a week after the season, yeah. uh, and this is also like a, a couple weeks after they almost didn't want to start him in the finale. Um, it, it was to me apparent that like they were doing this as a topic changer, that they wanted everybody to stop talking about the collapse late in the year and Carson Wentz and go to something positive, which from a PR perspective makes sense. But uh, yeah, it, it's hard to believe, especially with Rivera situation, forget even the ownership change that you you've not had a winning season in three seasons. If you don't have it a fourth, whether whoever is the owner is probably going to be like, ah, we got to go. And you're going to go with Sam Howe. Now, I don't think they had too many other options, to be honest, in the draft because they couldn't, they didn't, they can't trade up to get a top four pick, obviously, to do that. And if they didn't like Will Levis or Hendon Hooker, fine. I, I'm not going to say they should have done that. And Brissett might have been the best thing they could have done in free agency as well to a degree. But to the, but to the degree that they're talking up how that's the part it's like, <laughs> Okay, I mean, we'll see. I think he's intriguing, but that's a lot of a lot of eggs in that basket for one start. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, in talking to people, like, and a lot of people felt like, hey, dude, the way you're gonna try to buy yourself some more time, get a rookie quarterback, right? So that way you can convince, you know, the owner, hey, like this is the, but the, the fact that they didn't, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I I don't, I mean, I don't know how it could surprise us, but I'd be shocked if it did. Um, who is, uh, you know, obviously you're focusing on the, the whole league, so I don't know how much you've thought about Washington's upcoming year, but like beyond the quarterback, is there somebody on this roster that you're really kind of intrigued to see this year, both either just see what they where they go next, but also to help this team 
take that next step. Uh, any anybody for, uh, else on the team that kind of stands out for you? Um, I mean, I always see what Robinson does. You know, another year. I mean, he's, he was intriguing. He came on. I mean, amazing story coming back from being shot and um, you know, being a lead back down the stretch. Um, what is he going to be like as a second year player? Um, not having that recovery time to slow him up and everything. Right. Um, yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that could be that's very intriguing to me. Um, and I really want to, I mean, I the Forbes pick, I mean, I know he's got a nose for the ball, but dude, he's 166 pounds soaking wet. You think he's gonna, you know, I'm thinking about the big physical receivers. AJ Brown's gonna like, can he jam AJ Brown at the line? Um, some of these really physical receivers, I, I don't know how he holds his own in the NFL. So I'm very intrigued. Hey, can how are they going to use him? And will he just be this ball hawk, you know, swooping in and plucking balls out the air and taking them back? Um, is he a little stronger than what he looks? Um, that'll be intriguing because there were other talented, you know, cornerbacks that were on the board and they took him, you know, above all of them. So very interested to see. I have all the same questions that you do and, and others do. My only caveat in my head is like, okay, he was in the SEC for the last three years. Like it'd be one thing if they were like drafting a guy from the Mac conference or, you know, but like he's in the SEC, he was defending Devonte Smith and uh, you know, whoever else I know, uh, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, whichever one of them was there and all that type of stuff. So he's done it and he didn't get hurt. And that's as you know, close to the NFL as we get. But on the other hand, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why, that is everybody's alarmed by that by that number, but his his ball hawking is impressive, and this team definitely needs more turnovers. I also think it's interesting to see what happens now with Kendall Fuller. Not so much if he's going to get released, although I guess we could see. But like, how do they use him? He was really reliable for them on the outside, but where are you playing these three corners? St. Juice should probably be on the outside. Forbes is definitely an outside guy, so I think like how they use these guys will be interesting uh, as well. Yeah, no, I think so. Good thing with Phil- Fuller is he's you know he's versatile. He's played on the inside um, some, but yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting um, to see how they, they bring it all together. Uh, last question. I know I got to let you go. Uh, I guess we have to bring it up because it was in the news, this Andrew Luck situation. Uh, it's kind of a weird one. Uh, Jim Ursay, only because Jim Ursay mentioned it out loud that um, there was a report from ESPN that, uh, you know, the, the, the commanders in their search for every quarterback possible, uh, contacted Andrew Luck or they con- or they contacted about Andrew Luck and whatever. What do you make of this? Um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I saw it and I was just like, okay, well, I mean, they're doing their homework until Ursay did his tweet that I was like, oh, is that like, is that how it works? Yeah, did they, they needed to reach out to get permission to check, you know? Um, I didn't think about that. Um, but I'm sure that they were not the only team that reached out to Andrew Luck's camp, um, you know, about him. Um, you know, then I saw something that they actually didn't talk to, you know, who knows? Um, but I mean, they'd be stupid if they didn't at least like put out feelers. Now, are we surprised if they did go about it the wrong way in putting out those feelers? Absolutely not. Because I mean, we've seen this movie over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's like you know, you were uh, you know, you remember back in the day with the um the bullets when when they had Jawan Howard and hey. Jawan Howard has this stupid contract that they, he could leave after two years. He signs with Miami, but then David Stern was like, "Well, okay, we're gonna have to reverse this because you guys tampered." But like, 
Okay, they all tamper. He just decided it either it became too obvious or he decided to use that one. That's the thing. All these teams are contacting everybody, but like the Dolphins owner was just too blatant, I guess, about de- contacting Brady and right. um, Sean Payton, and they got docked. So we'll be interesting to see if this becomes an issue. The it is hilarious. The the Commanders' rivals are the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Colts. The Colts are there in with the Colts on everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ursay is like, yo, I'm oh this team, you know, and who knows any other team if he heard it maybe would do thing, but because he is, seems like he is definitely um hesitant for Snyder and this team, you know, he's gonna make some noise. Uh. Well, great stuff. I appreciate the time. I encourage everybody to go read Mike's article. You can go find it on anywhere on the athletic on the commander's page or, or follow Mike's profile. Uh, anything else people should be aware of or should go back and read if something from the, from the draft or something you got coming out uh, that you pr- have already maybe written before you're going to surgery? Um, well, we're going to have the schedule release stuff. So we'll have a lot of that stuff all over the site. Um, breaking down that. Um, have uh, something coming out on the accelerator program, which is coming up. Um in a couple weeks out there as they try to continue to uh, work on the diversity problem in the front office and the coaching ranks. Um, so that should be out sometime next week as well. And um, I'm horrible. This you are on Twitter by at by Mike Jones. I have to yeah. say, I feel like we have to say everybody's actual name. Cause there's, you know, do you have copycats yet? Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't pay enough attention to Twitter. Well, your name is also common enough to like, even if you do, I don't know if people would know there's gotta be, hundreds yeah, yeah. and whatever ben I'm not it would be more obvious to copy yeah. <laughs> um awesome man i appreciate it good luck with the surgery and uh right. we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon thanks man i'll see you all right big thanks to mike jones for his time thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast um that's it i you know if again if you if you've missed any of the recent episodes go check them out the logan paulson one was particularly good I thought I heard a lot of great feedback from people. So I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I've got an article up on uh, Monday about how Ron Rivera, Jason Wright, and others are really trying to uh, seem like trying to sell themselves, sell their process uh, with knowing a new owner is watching. So make sure you go check that out as well. All right. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.